sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hello and welcome to a Tuesday live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM channel 159. That's the home for SportsGrid radio on Sirius XM. All across the SportsGrid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here bright and early on this Tuesday morning. All across the Spiz Grizz network. That's SportsGrid. It includes SportsGrid.com slash watch. Find your favorite destination to consume everything all across the grid. So let's get things rolling here bright and early on this Tuesday. A ton of Major League Baseball to get to as well. But as things pick up on the diamond in the second series of the second half of this MLB season, football gets closer as well. A pivotal day, a day of revelation perhaps for the running back position in the National Football League yesterday before eight teams around the NFL send their rookies to training camp today. Football is here a ton to get to over these two hours live on this Tuesday on the morning after with a fun opening hour in store as OK Dubs Kevin Walsh joins us in just a few moments but let's start with a daily diamond dash a recap all around Major League Baseball a big game yesterday between two of the five best teams record wise in all of MLB two of the top three teams in the American League facing off yesterday in Arlington the Rangers Hosting the Rays. Ranger danger, as they might say. And a big day for Tampa Bay. Shane McClanahan, their ace, returning to the bump. His first start since being placed on the IL late in the month of June. Tampa being cognizant of the All-Star break, knowing they could give their ace. Dealing with some back issues, a couple extra days of rest. So the expectation for McClanahan wasn't sky high yesterday, but he was sensational early on. Only allowing one hit in his first five innings of work and then in the sixth after 69 pitches he was bounced from the game after giving up a two-run blast and we were tied at two entering the home half of the ninth inning a wild pitch from Tampa's Pete Fairbanks scores Josh Smith of the Texas Rangers and the Rangers on a wild pitch walk it off last night at home a three to two victory winning outright as a slight home money line underdog plus one Tampa had won two of their first three games in the second half in their opening series against the Kansas City Royals. The Rangers now have won all four games they have played since the All-Star break. A sweep of Cleveland over the weekend. The walk-off yesterday against the Tampa Bay Rays. Again, McClanahan was good. There should be some optimism for Tampa Bay after seeing what their ace did yesterday. Only allowing a single hit in the opening five innings of work had 69 pitches in just the six innings that he pitched he was efficient one really bad pitch in the home half of the sixth that resulted in a two-run bomb to tie it up for the Texas Rangers but again good for Shane McClanahan and the Tampa Bay Rays McClanahan entered yesterday a five to one number to win the American League Cy Young that's where he remains plus 500 the fourth best price his team the Rays still the best record 
third in the American League, hold on to the favored spot to win the AL pennant. Plus 210, the price on Tampa Bay. They're over $2 in front of the two Texas teams. The Rangers, plus 430, and the Astros, also plus 430. It is interesting, though, for Tampa Bay. They have now split their two games since the All-Star break, two and two since returning from the break. They are 9-15 since the peak of their season at 51-22 on June 18th. That was their peak, nearly 30 games above 500 since that point. A small slump, 9-15, but we expected some negative regression after a team got off to a historic start this year. A welcome to our sports grid radio audience here. The opening hour of the morning after live on this Tuesday. Sirius XM Channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. So we showed you those American League pennant odds. Tampa, despite the slide, still sits in that top spot. The favorite team at plus 210. Behind them, the two teams from Texas, the Rangers and the Strohs, plus 430. And who's behind them? The Baltimore Orioles. A 9-1 to number for the O's. And through the first five innings yesterday at Camden Yards, with Tampa going down in Texas, there was a possibility for Baltimore to tie Tampa Bay with the best record in the American League East, thus the best record in all of the AL. But Chris Taylor of the LA Dodgers had other ideas. The Dodgers played five in the top half of the sixth, including a grand salami from Chris Taylor. That was the go-ahead runs for Los Angeles. They went out right six to four right as we got the first pitch yesterday in Baltimore both sides were the same on the money line minus 108 for both the total was 10 it pushes last night it snaps an eight game win streak for the Baltimore Orioles they were the hottest team in the bigs the Dodgers trying to show their worth as well they won six straight on either end of the all-star break before Sunday night's finale in Queens against the Mets that snapped the six game streak they went yesterday in Baltimore seven of the last eight for the LA Dodgers and the Dodgers have now jumped the Tampa Bay Rays in the World Series market to have the second best price in all of MLB to win a World Series championship this year it's plus 480 for LA a buck and a half behind the Atlanta Braves at plus 330 there are the Rays the third best number again the Texas teams tied the Tampa Bay or the Toronto Blue Jays excuse me at 17 to 1 in the Orioles the seventh best price at 20 to 1. The odds starting to reflect what Baltimore has been able to accomplish this year, but there is still value, in my estimation, on the Orioles. Plenty more around Major League Baseball. Okay, dubs at the dish. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The second series of the second half of this Major League Baseball season now underway across the bigs. I am Ben Stevens. He is Kevin Walsh, and this is a Tuesday. Live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Okay, Dubs, into the batter's box he comes to go all around MLB in what Kevin has seen since the second half has started in Major League Baseball. Kev, as always, it is a pleasure to have you here on the morning mm. after. We're kind of throwing it back, a rewind if you will normally Thursday is now your day in the opening hour we're yeah. back on a Tuesday to what do we owe this joyous occasion 
I mean, some are saying it's just summer league, you know, rounded up, and we had to move a whole bunch of things around to get me here on a tangy Tuesday. Others are saying there's major soccer news, like Harry Kane rumors that brought me here. Uh, others are saying we just wanted to bring the tang to a Tuesday. Messi now in Miami. The Women's World yeah, Cup about to get started in two days. In Australia, down under, that's pretty fun too, Kev. There's so much to get to, but we focus on Major League Baseball. Mm. Kev, last night in Texas, sure. a matchup of two of the three best records in all of the American League, the Rays and the Rangers. A big day for Tampa as their ace, Shane McClanahan, returned to the bump. Mm -hmm. He had been dealing with injuries in his back, placed on the IL at the end of June, a couple of extra days of rest, of course, with the all-star break around MLB. And he was great yesterday. Yesterday, only allowed one hit in the first five innings for Tampa Bay. A couple of bad pitches in the sixth. A two-run bomb tied it up, but still six innings of work, only giving up two earned runs. Ultimately, Kev, Texas walks it off in the home half of the ninth. Aroldis Chapman gets his first win as a member of the Rangers on a wild pitch for the Rangers. That's how they walked it off. Kev, these are two teams that maybe we did not expect at the beginning of the year to have two of the three best records, two of the three best prices to win the American League pennant. Now into the second half. What do you think about these two? I think the takeaway continues to me to be on Tampa Bay and how difficult this is going to be for the books to price correct a team that, I mean, peaked too early doesn't even do it justice. What happened here with the Tampa Bay Rays? They are not the best team in the American League, certainly not the best team in baseball, and I'm not positive that they're the best team in the American League East either. And nope. all of their pricing suggests those things to be true. They have been dumped by the Dodgers in World Series pricing, but listen, I, I don't know if I'm going to give the books credit. Moving the Dodgers in front of anybody is usually a very easy task. The Rays are more than half the number of, the, of these Texas Rangers as well as the Houston Astros. If I offered you the Rays or those top two ALS teams at, at, the, at, you know, at the same ticket price, I don't think anybody would hesitate to take those two ALS squads here. Tampa Bay, look, we don't look at the Rays as a team that is often going to make big splashes at the deadline. If they're serious about winning the World Series this season, they better change that M.O. They make some small moves, but now it's about making the important moves ahead of the trade deadline exactly two weeks away. Kev, to your point, Tampa Bay plus 210 to win the AL pennant right now. Both the Texas teams, the Rangers and the Astros, plus 430. Again, more than double the price of the Rays. And Kev, there's been some small bits of movement in the American League East odds, but there was an opportunity yesterday had the O's held on to a 4-1 lead after five innings against the Dodgers for there to be a tie at the top of the divisional standings in the American League East. That seemed impossible back in the month of May or even early in June. And yet, Kev, despite holding just a one-game lead and a 9-15 and mark since the middle of June, the Rays are still a $3 favorite, minus 300 to win the American League East. I'm assuming that doesn't make much sense to you. It, well... It has a lot to do with the fact, though, that they clearly have taken a very long time and will continue to take a long time to believe in the Baltimore Orioles. Some of that has been fixed to a degree, but not that long ago, two weeks. I don't want to exaggerate for accuracy, but I think it was about two weeks ago, Baltimore was still like the fourth price in this division. 
And then they took yeah. a series off of the Yankees, and that's when things really started to move there. So some of this Tampa Bay pricing, Ben, still has to do with kind of Baltimore and where they stand uh, in terms of the outlook here. But as we've said on the Orioles, the Orioles being really good makes sense. I understand it wasn't the full expectation, but this is a group that really turned it around last year. Tons of young superstars. Adley Rushman is a guy that would probably be even money to win an MVP at some point in his career. I don't know. Maybe they're not. I don't know if the MVP will still go the same, but, you know, high-level catchers like him used to always take home this award. So it's one of those things where the belief in Baltimore, I think, now is kind of the reason why Tampa still booked at minus 300. It is interesting, though, Kev, because all five teams in the American League East have a winning record. In fact, all five, at mm-hmm. least five games above 500 or better. It's the Yankees now, though, in the cellar of this division. A yeah. loss yesterday in Anaheim. The Red Sox pick up a victory in Oakland. The Yanks are five games above 500, again, 50 and 45, but now in the basement of the AL East. A big victory yesterday for the Los Angeles Angels at home. Shohei Otani, a two-run blast in a bat flip his 35th home run this year to pace all of MLB tied the game in the home half of the seventh to extras they go and the Angels walk it off the Angels entered last night Kev losing seven of their last eight for me it's just cool finally to see Shohei Otani do something tremendous and the Angels win a baseball game but for you a fan of the New York Yankees not exactly Mm. the result maybe you were hoping for last night in Anaheim yeah, I'll be honest with you. It's not that I'm not a Yankees fan, but I'm, I've largely been disgusted by this group. And that's not yeah. to do with, like, Yankees exceptionalism. They're in the wild card race. Their last place status has more to do with the AL East. Uh, it's that they keep doing this whole, all right, it has to be the hitting coach's fault or, oh, give us time. We're a championship-level roster. Uh, no, you're not. Last year, the story was you were judge and a bunch of bodies, and then you paid yeah. judge. And you're like, wow, see, we were big spenders. And it's like, nope, you just paid judge. And judge got injured. And look, we With Aaron Judge, the Yankees are one of the three best teams in baseball. Record-wise, this season, if you look at the win percentage. But with Aaron Judge, without him, they are useless. And that's... So again, with Judge here, they can go on a legitimate postseason run, but they can't win a World Series, even with Judge, because that's not been enough in years past. So the Yankee stuff, it it hardly bothers me as as much at this point. The thing I would disagree with, Ben, and maybe it's just the state of a buck 62, I don't think it was a big win for the Angels. I don't think the Angels have big wins. And if anything, I think the Angels should almost hope to lose out. That way they make the appropriate decision here at the deadline. Well, it is interesting, Kev, right? Because it is stacking up wins, but do those wins at this point for the Halos even mean postseason contention? They entered yesterday, six games back of any of the three wild card spots in the American League. Despite the win, they are still 6-15 and 15 since their peak of this season on June 18th yeah. at 41-33. and 33. So, Kev, we are exactly two weeks away from the Major League Baseball trade deadline on August 1st. Our mock odds makers back in the lab. They still make the halos the heavy favorites to retain Shohei Otani ahead of the mm-hmm. deadline it's minus 350 and you can see the prices for the other teams around the big Kev if it's not the Angels if the Angels do decide to deal Shohei Otani who do you think is the most likely destination to land Otani services uh, you know, it's odd because the Yankees have kind of now been this first team to start the conversation. You can't convince me that that's not them just trying to feed crumbs to the fan base to say, oh, come on, we tried. Uh, I, 
would probably think the, the problem with the Otani stuff, though, is, and why it is so complicated, is if the Angels are looking for a return that suggests the team is going to be getting him for 10 years, we will never get a deal done. Trading Otani like a half-season rental, though, you I might then come over to the Angels' side of, okay, that's just optically horrendous, and maybe that wouldn't be worth the time. All in all, who could meet them in the middle? Probably Atlanta. Atlanta mm. could probably afford to give up one of their million young stars for a full World Series push this year. It would be incredible to see for the Braves. And to Kev's point, the idea around Otani is not just this half-season rental, but the fact he's a free agent in the offseason yeah. and is going to earn at least half a billion dollars. More TMA next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Here we are. Eight teams around the National Football League on this Tuesday sending their rookies to camp. Training camp begins around the NFL on this Tuesday, and we break it down for you live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Kevin Walsh is back for a second consecutive segment. He will join us for the rest of this opening hour. Kev, some big news this week in the NFL. Of course, DeAndre Hopkins mm -hmm. signing a free yeah. agent deal with the Tennessee Titans on Sunday afternoon. And then yesterday, a critical final point really of the offseason before camp begins 4 p.m. Eastern time it was the deadline where if you have placed a player under the franchise tag for 2023 that deadline to negotiate a new long-term contract extension it was really Kev a very critical day a point in time for the running back position in the NFL we'll start there before we dive into DeAndre Hopkins and what it means for mm -hmm. the AFC South and your thoughts overall Kev the running back position in the National Football League has been devalued because Saquon Barkley unable to agree to a long-term extension with the Giants. Josh Jacobs also under the tag unable to agree to a long-term extension with the Las Vegas Raiders. Tony Pollard also under the tag unable to agree to a long-term contract extension with Dallas. Dalvin Cook remains unsigned as does Leonard Fournette. There is so much we could get to Kev but what is your thought on the running back position at this current moment in the NFL yeah I think it's a really interesting thing I think you know all in all you are as valuable as the market says you are but some of the, the, the running back stuff is kind of missing the boat here. Yesterday, a bunch of running backs kept sharing a spot rack graphic that their average annual salaries were less than kickers and somebody please explain to them that's because there's triple the amount of running backs, which is drastically dropping that number. Like, you're not doing yourself any favors by now taking shots at your teammates, whether you think kickers are relevant or not. That's not going to help you here. The other thing right. is the franchise-tagged trio are now all tied for the fourth most paid running backs in terms of cap hit next season. The $10 million for a running back is solid enough but why this conversation gets so conf you know it, difficult is because when you start grouping running backs together it kind of tags br brings everybody down paying pollard 
an extension is insane. He last year had his career-high carries and was still outside of the top 20 in the league. He's coming off of a massive injury. Why would we do that? There's a reason he signed the tender. Josh McDaniels played Josh Jacobs in the Hall of Fame game last year and believes in running back by committee. I understand Jacobs was great, but that's not what Josh McDaniels wants out of the running back position. So that makes sense. And then there's whatever the hell the Giants are doing, and that makes no sense. Because if the Giants are going to pay Daniel Jones all that money based on the good season that they had last year and want to be a winning football team this coming season, then messing around with Saquon is a bit wild. And whether you believe the reporting of Jordan Rannon of ESPN or the reporting of uh, Donnie Wrightside this morning, who has just completely shifted all of the facts to fit uh, his narrative here, the Giants have been messing around with this Saquon stuff throughout. And... People keep saying, well, Saquon holding out, what's that going to accomplish? Nothing. But that doesn't mean the Giants have won this battle either. When their most important offensive weapon is now completely pissed off about being there and is going to miss yeah. all of training camp. That's the idea right now as well. Tony Pollard has signed that franchise tag tender. He will play under the tag, earning $10.1 million this year in 2023. Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley to this point have not signed their tender, meaning they can hold out for training camp and preseason, even some regular season games before their pay starts to be docked. We will see what their plan is moving forward. And then one final point, because we'll touch on it again at the, at the top of hour two. Kevin, my mind you mentioned what the market values is what these players are going to be paid the overall prevailing thought in the national football league from the organizational perspective is they don't need to pay running backs they can go to the seventh round like an isaiah pacheco last year for the kansas city chiefs who becomes their lead back and find value other places the only thing that is interesting then is how you look at how contracts are constructed for the young running backs when they are at the peak mm -hmm. of their abilities but unable to get out of a rookie deal before they can see any sort of long-term extension into that second and perhaps third contract we don't often see that around the nfl please yeah no, just, well, look, here's the thing, and this probably won't happen and would really change your favorite sport in the world, but if you really want to try and fix this, let guys leave after their freshman season, then. That's really what you want to do. Now, yep. if you what that would do to college football, I don't think people would be remotely prepared for, and it's probably not going to happen, though you'd get some of that parity, that sweet, delicious parity that people have been after. But I, I just... I understand it is difficult. And there are aspects of this that I agree. Like, wh why is Kareem Hunt not on a team? Like, Zeke washed, get it, Fournette washed, okay, yeah. Dalvin taking his time, got it. Kareem Hunt has largely been proven incredibly, very, really good when he's on a team. Nobody's interested in Kareem Hunt, or is Kareem Hunt playing hardball? So it's it's all very bizarre. I also think, we are we in a new age of the NFL offseason where essentially now nobody cares or worries about anything in between kind of the beginning of the offseason, the draft, and then when we find ourselves now here with training camp? I think it's a pretty good point as well, Kev. Why is Dalvin Cook not on a team at this moment? The question could be on the side of the player. And you could understand. They want guarantees. They want certainty. They want security. Yeah. And I think a lot of teams would tell you, hey, I'd pay Dalvin Cook 10 mil to be on our team this year. But when he asks for three or four years on that contract, there is no value for us in the years following. That's the idea of the unable to agree to long-term contract extensions that we find 
right now, but it really is a fulcrum. It is a point in time for the running back position. We saw it on social media yesterday. The band of brothers at the RB spot really all ganging up to talk about this idea, and we'll see how it continues to play out in the NFL. But at this moment, the NFL has made it clear the value is not on the running back spot in comparison to the rest of the positions on a football field. So, Kev, we're at that point late in the offseason where we don't see the drastic moves except slightly on Sunday. DeAndre Hopkins, a two-year, $26 million deal with the Tennessee Titans. Ten years now in the National Football League, his first seven in the Houston, his last three in the desert with the Arizona Cardinals. Kev, does Tennessee signing D-Hop change your opinion on the Titans at all entering 2023? So to a degree, but I think I may have been more interested in some level of Tennessee futures before the deal. I guess that this allows them to get somewhat back to what existed before they lost A.J. Brown, which was having a real number one wide receiver in the room. I think the A.J. Brown that was in Tennessee is certainly better than the Hopkins that would be in Tennessee, but I don't think Hop is by any means washed. Tennessee, I think, has fallen a little bit of victim of what we see regularly when it comes to the NFL's futures market. What did you do last year? <laughs> well, you're obviously going to do that again. It's, it's say, it feels like it happens to everybody other than the Minnesota Vikings who the market keeps saying, no, that team stinks and we all know it. But <laughs> let, like, if you look at their winning percentage, Ben with Ryan Tannehill yeah. he took over as a starter that first year they go to the conference championship game they were seven and three they then went 11 and five 12 and five last year's the down year but they were also six and six with him as their starter they then lost yeah. Ryan Tannehill alt win total on the FanDuel Sportsbook 10 uh 10 wins is plus 300 for Tennessee because this could be a little bit of an all-or-nothing type of team. Their opening schedule is very tough, Ben. I'm worried about Tannehill getting benched after a 2-4 and four start. So if they're going to be 3-3, yeah. three and 4-2, three, and two, the back end of the schedule is a little bit lighter. I might chase more plus money with Tennessee than the kind of minus 102 range number I think it is on their current 7.5. Correct. Seven and a half is the win total for the Titans. The under does have the juice. And of course, Tennessee did draft Will Levis out of Kentucky, the quarterback, with yeah. the second pick in the second round of the 2023 NFL draft. That is my concern, really, as you think about who is throwing the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. Kev, in the eight first years of his NFL career, he played 15 games at least. He was as consistent mm -hmm. as you will find. In six of those eight years, he had at least 1,165 receiving yards, averaging 1,251 yards per year. I still think Nuke has something in the tank. We'll see how it all pans out for Tennessee. You mentioned the start for the Titans it's an interesting week one game on the road in New Orleans against the Saints mm. the team booked as the favorite to win the NFC South the Saints are a three-point favorite for Derek Carr's debut in the Big Easy Kev what do you hope to learn from this week one game <laughs> absolutely nothing man I mean oh. that I mean, I mean that. Absolutely nothing. This is, I was going through this, you know, taking a quick couple of ganders at the slate. Is this the greatest overreaction game you could yes. put on the schedule? Because yeah. the winner of this game is postseason bound, and the loser yep. of this game might as well sell pieces and just lose out. It feels like that kind of game. There are other games that will lead to overreactions, but that's yep. because we'll see upsets and we go crazy. You are guaranteed an overreaction at the highest level, no matter what you get in Tennessee, New Orleans. 
If the Saints win that game and cover, they will probably flip to minus money to win the NFC South. I do not mean that in a jest. It really is going to be a game we try to take away a lot from. Right now, the odds-on favorites in the AFC South, the Jacksonville Jaguars, a divisional game on the road in IndyCab to start off this year against the Colts. The Jags are north of a field goal favorite. Kevin Walsh, are you ready for Jacksonville to be booked as a favorite for a good majority of this year? I'm, I'm excited about it. You know, I say a lot of good things about Jacksonville, but boy, oh boy, that team did. I mean, look, they were only 9-8 last year. I'm just saying, let's be careful here. Minus 155 might be a little strong on the Jags. Might be a little strong. And they did win five straight to win the AFC South to end the year, but it wasn't the greatest overall season. More with Kevin Walsh up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Walsh is here for a third consecutive segment, really the entirety of this opening hour. When Kevin Walsh is here on a Tuesday or any day on the morning after, we have to hit on the NBA summer. A sincere congratulations to the Cleveland Cavaliers, the champions of the NBA 2K24 Summer League out in Las Vegas, blowing out the Rockets last night by more than 20 points, easily covering as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Kev? Your final thought on the finale of Summer League yeah. last night in Vegas. I'll give you I'll give you two of them. A quick overly honest peek behind my mental curtain. If when you when you said a, a, a sincere congratulations, I don't know why, but my mind went I thought it was going to come my way. I was like, I don't know what I'm about to get congratulated on, but I'm pumped about it, which is crazy and a bizarre look into my brain. Yeah. The other one is it didn't take a couple of years Couple of, couple of months, couple of games. It took one trip to Vegas for the Cam Whitmore thing to look ridiculous, huh? Like, when are teams going to learn? Stop doing the obvious top five talent. Oh, what are these attitude problems? Let's, let's drop him down the yep. board massively. Just embarrassing stuff again immediately from the league. Only 14 points, though, last night. Disheartening for me that said, take him 20-plus in the Summer League finale against the Cavaliers. But hey, what are you going to do? He had a great Summer League, was named the Summer League MVP, and fell all the way to the 20th overall pick. All right, now time to hit on the other topics of this summer. Some final Summer League takeaways, and then what the rest of the offseason in the association might potentially hold. We do that, and Kevin Walsh is his favorite. It's NBA buy or sell. So, Kev, you mentioned Cam Whitmore. He was sensational. Yeah. Jabari Smith Jr. for Houston, about to enter his second NBA season, didn't play all that much of Summer League, but when he did, he gave us some great glimpses. Tari Eason, already pretty solid for Houston last year in a reserve role. Also, some of those spots where you think, okay, this guy could make it in the NBA. Kev, as you look elsewhere around Summer League, not just for the young core in Houston, but really across the slate, Buy or sell, summer league success is an indicator of overall success in the NBA. 
Probably not, right? And I think maybe it's best represented to some degree by that graphic. I, not that Jabari Smith Jr. can't be really good, and I like Tariz. Right? Yeah. Vic was able to do that in two games. Unfortunately, Scoot and Amen were injured and ended it. We didn't get to see them kind of do the natural, we're better than everybody else ending there. So I wouldn't get too wrapped up, Ben, probably in some of the summer league statistics and what that would mean moving forward. I would agree with that. You're playing against your fellow competitors who are often either rookies entering the association, second-year guys, maybe a couple of vets, hoping to earn a G League roster spot, whatever it might be, but you're not playing mm -hmm. against the entirety of the association. And it's a good point, Kev. If you're really good at Summer League, you're a second-year guy that was an early-round draft pick last year, you're probably not going to play more than a couple games. You're Victor Wembanyama. You come mm -hmm. out after a disappointing debut. You show us what you can do as the generational type talent and you're done after two games in Las Vegas. All right, elsewhere around the NBA, Kev, some interesting words from Joel Embiid earlier mm. this week. Embiid saying, in fact, yeah. I think it was over the weekend, that if he needs to at some point in his NBA career, he wants to contend for an NBA championship finally, either as a member of the Sixers or somewhere else. So, Kev, the buy or sell question to you. If the Sixers yeah. don't win it, this year, Joel Embiid is the next NBA star to request a trade out. So there's a caveat there. Um, it is not going to be if they lose, he is done. They will have the summer to find a solution. If Harden and Harris come off of the books naturally, I believe Philly would have two max slots. The chance then to round out that roster potentially with multiple other all-stars could be exactly what Embiid is looking for, who every time the Sixers lose or he talks about why they lose, he seemingly says there's just nowhere near enough talent on this roster. So I think Philly has some time here but the one thing i will throw out is please if i'm the sixers i'm not sure i'm only looking towards winning this year make a couple phone calls just see what the, the knicks would offer today see what the thunder would offer today see what the jazz would offer today because you because ben they wait for the trade request and then the leverage gets lessened i'm just saying if you're the sixers see if you can beat them to the punch and see what the offers look like so, Kev, like you mentioned, for Philadelphia as well, it's been the idea of regular season success but not paying off in the playoffs. The last three years under Doc Rivers to the conference semifinals but never even in to the Eastern Conference Finals to win the East and then, of course, appear in an NBA championship series. The last time Philadelphia did that, 2000, 2001. Allen Iverson was their point guard. They lost in the NBA Finals to the Los Angeles Lakers. It's been a long time for Philadelphia to actually contend for an NBA championship, and that's what Joel Embiid wants to do. You mentioned what also might happen around the rest of the roster. James Harden opted back in to only find his way out, but... Kev, some of the momentum behind finding a potential trade partner for Philadelphia to send the beard away has really died down in the last few weeks. This according to Kyle Newbeck mm -hmm. on what the Sixers are asking for in return for James Harden. The Sixers want an all-star level return for James Harden. Philadelphia's position on a Harden trade has been described as, quote, unreasonable by competing executives. So, Kev, buy or sell 
The Sixers are actually interested in making a deal for James Harden this offseason. Sell, because, look, there's no reason not to believe that report. I mean, we've also seen reports that said apparently they asked Cleveland for Evan Mobley and Jared Allen and other pieces as a part of a Tobias Harris trade. Look, I mean, nothing Daryl Morey is doing is making any sense. And he completely set on fire the best relationship he had in this league was with James Harden. And this is the thing that people, I think, are going to miss the mark on a little bit here. But this hardball and this kind of burning of Harden that they've done, you at home can say, listen, who cares? It's a business. Or I wouldn't pay Harden either. Or Harden's the one who opted in. That's great for you. You know who takes note of that? The guys that you're hoping slide into those max slots next year. There is a very, I'm telling you, there is a very real world that Daryl Morey is going to become a problem for the 76ers. You are not, Mm. I will be stunned if they win this battle versus Harden. If Harden wants out, he will get out. He's the goat at it. He's the goat, Ben. We've seen it. He is. He is. In terms of the stats, yeah, he was third in the NBA this year in assists, but nobody in the past decade has more trade requests than James Harden. You do not want to tempt him with a good time. He will eat his way out of Philadelphia. Pats and Genos, serve him up because he will make sure that he is no longer a member of the Philadelphia 76ers. Listen, Kev, it's an interesting strategy because we know Daryl Morey and James Harden have that relationship and have had it for many years in the association. It's just weird where this relationship is trending at this time. Kev, we have seen a deal for the Phoenix Suns, of course, earlier this offseason, the first blockbuster in acquiring Bradley Beal from the Washington Wizards. There was a thought that around KD, D-Book, and Beal, it would be pretty tough to assemble a roster. Well, they've made some interesting moves. DeAndre Ayton, of course, staying in Phoenix. Josh Okogie also there as well. Eric Gordon signing with a veteran deal this offseason. Bull, bull. Many said he paved the way for Victor Wembanyama. He is a member of the Suns now as well. Just check your social media graphics for that as well. Kev, buy or sell? The Phoenix Suns, with their big three, have the best roster in the NBA. So I, I, I hate to be annoying, but here's what would kind of become the debate of the what defines best, right? Most complete or most talent, right? And you, there's a, probably a lot of people that like the structure of the Denver roster better. The Sixers roster actually last year was close to perfect. They were just coached by Doc yeah. Rivers. Uh, but again, they completely wow. ruined the Harden relationship. So that's now set on fire. What does the Miami roster look like post Damian Lillard decision, assuming that's how it goes? There's, uh, what if Harden ends up with the Clippers? So there's a lot of different things here. here here's what I know, though. The, the high-end talent that is on this Phoenix roster is as good as it gets. And the combination of Durant, Booker, and Beal should be enough where this team is right in the running for the very best record in the league this season. And anything short of that would be a massive disappointment. Look, if depth ends up being their undoing or health, by the time we get to the postseason, we'll have that conversation when we do. But when we put an eye towards the regular season, uh, this should be a feast situation here for the Phoenix Suns. 
The Phoenix Suns right now, plus 310, winning the Western Conference title this upcoming NBA season. Just 70 cents behind the reigning Western Conference champs and, of course, the reigning NBA champion, Denver Nuggets. The Nugs booked as the favorites at plus 240. Kev, you mentioned what might happen in Miami once or if Damian Lillard is finally traded to the Heat. But some reporting from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, easily digested to us on social media by our good pal Evan Sidery, has said this about where the negotiations stand between both sides, Portland and Miami. The deal still likely to be weeks or months from now. The Blazers will not rush into a bad deal with the Heat. Miami doesn't want to bid against themselves. Portland is motivated to wait this out. Pretty much all of that to say we're yep. at a stalemate when it comes to dealing Dame. So buy or sell, Kev. The Heat failed this offseason mm -hmm. if they do not trade for Damian Lillard. Massive failure, right? I mean, it, it seemingly everything is kind of hinging on this deal getting done. They could pivot to Zach Levine. I'm not sure how successful those attempts would be. But since you just put that together, I'd like to kind of hammer in on a point, though, that I've been trying to make when it comes to this kind of situation here with Lillard. I understand why people are bothered by the way Dame has gone about this. But this notion of, well, he can, he's blocking so many of these options that Portland has. That last, that, that third line there, Ben. Okay? Miami does not want to bid against themselves. Who else is actively and aggressively pursuing Damian Lillard right now? There is not a team, Ben, not yeah. one team that we are hearing would love to push in for Lillard, but they don't think he'd show up. Not Boston, not Philly, not Milwaukee, not Phoenix, not the Lakers, not the Clippers. There isn't a single team and this entire narrative is that Lillard has tanked his value or or other teams are setting their stars there is some concern about paying Lillard at the back end of his contract and Portland who has messed this up the entire way of course entered into the Lillard trade situation with as little leverage as imaginable because they absolutely stink at this so, Kev, I will also echo your point here because you were the first to introduce it to me. When Miami was thought to be the preferred destination of Dane, their price to win an NBA championship shortened by $7 from 17 to 1 to 10 to 1. That price has not moved. It has not gone backwards, and no other team in the NBA market has had their price shortened because nobody else is really making a bid for Damian Lillard. We round out the opening hour. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rounding out this opening hour of a Tuesday live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159. That's the home for SportsGrid radio on Sirius XM. All across the SpizGrid network, that's SportsGrid. And he, Kevin Walsh, is the originator of the SpizGrid. He has been here for most of this opening hour. And Kevin, do you give the people permission, if they download the SportsGrid app, to call this network the SpizGrid's? Only way. It's the only way. That it's is the only that way. Is your, but you got a little, currency, little certification right? badge on the phone. You know what I mean? That's that. That's Congratulations. Pretty much it. You've unlocked that's Spiz Grizz potential. 
you download the new Sports Grid app by scanning the QR code on your screen. Not only do you get all of our information, insight, point. and data in the palm of your hand, you will have a badge notification that says, congrats, Kevin Walsh has allowed you now to call Sports Grid the Spiz Grizz. Two for one. What's better than that? We round out this opening hour by hearing from you about a division that has seen some news over the past few days. DeAndre Hopkins, now a member of the Tennessee Titans. The Jacksonville Jaguars inked an extension with Evan Ingram, their tight end off a career year. What does it mean for the AFC South? You tell us and fade the public. Kev, a pretty simple question at Sports Grid TV to the wonderful public. Who wins the AFC South this season? Nearly 69% of the public backing the Jacksonville Jaguars to win this division. And that shouldn't be overly shocking. The Jags are a minus 155, pretty hefty odds on favorite in the preseason to win the AFC South for a second consecutive year. About 22% of the public going with Tennessee. Then the Colts and the Texans couldn't even garner a full percent. Kev, are you fitting the public? No, not really. But I don't know. Is it bad that my mind, though, doesn't even run towards the 22% of people? What if we get involved with that 8.2%, man? What if we get crazy? What if we get crazy? What? It's your guy. He's AR. It's Anthony Richardson. That's K-Dubs. That does it for the opening hour. Hour two next.